Well, thank you for joining Dynamic Web Church today, this live broadcast. I believe that this is going to just impact your life and it's going to bless you. I'm so excited to know that there are people watching this and people are just impacted by the message of grace. There's nothing greater than the unconditional love of God. You know, I've been listening to um, Pastor Alan Spiegel and he said something so radical. He said, the person that will hurt you the most is the one that you seek to please the most. And um, because there's some expectations from that person that you have because you do things for him. And I think that's why many people are hurt when it comes to God. Because they expect God to be this law-based person that acts to them on the basis of their works and He's not going to do it that way. And that's why many people, I feel, uh, I think, is disappointed in in God. And um, so many times it happens to people as well. If you start, if your vision is to please people, that person is going to hurt you. And if your vision is also to please Him because you get your identity out of that, that's going to hurt you. But that's not the case... I believe in Dynamic Web Church, we are just here to bring you this message of God's unconditional love, the message of grace, that you can be established in God's love for you. And that is what God has got for you. He wants His being to indwell you. He wants His being to live in you. And He wants you to walk in the freedom of the being of God. Today we're going to just touch a little bit on um, just the, the whole thing of God meets your needs out of his, uh, out of the person of Jesus Christ, who God is. Now, before we get into that, I would like to welcome all the first-time viewers that watches this program for the first time. If you're watching this for the first time, I know that you're going to be blessed. I want you to be just relaxed, enjoy this message of grace. If you're watching this in the rebroadcast, man, maybe it's not live, it's the rebroadcast, just enjoy this message. You're going to be touched, it's going to impact your life. Hallelujah. As you see, we've got a, a new player for those of you that's watched us a couple of times because we are busy getting everything ready for our internet um, internet television station, which is going to be 100% grace-based. For those of you who don't know what it's all about, after the service, <coughs> about half an, hour, half an hour after the service, you will see that the vision will be in the on-demand part of this player. So you can just click on that. And in the on-demand part, you can just um, listen to the vision. That's what's very nice about the station that we're going to start. We're going to have a a schedule that will be rolling every day, but we will also, for a day or two, go back into the history of what was broadcasted, and you will be able to go and look at that, watch the program, and you've watched again, um, you know. And I just know that this is going to touch the lives of many people. We've got already six people that have said they're going to broadcast on the station and uh, we haven't really put in effort towards that yet. So, um, But I believe that we're going to get enough people to broadcast here. And the reason why we start the station is because pe- we want people to have a, a place where they can feel safe and know that they're going to hear the message of grace and God's unconditional love all the time. They don't have to be on their guard all the time. Well, you don't find a guy preaching the unconditional love of God at um, 10 o'clock in the morning and then 3 o'clock you find somebody else just contradicting that guy again completely preaching a law-based message bringing confusion when it comes to finances bringing confusion when it comes to relationships bringing confusion about who God is so this station and the vision of the station that that we're going to launch in February is very simple it is to bring 
a safe place to people where they can hear the gospel of grace. 24-7. doesn't matter when they slot in, they know they're going to hear the very same message as um, at any other time in, uh, of the day. Maybe from a different preacher, maybe on a different topic, but the foundation is the grace of God. You know, Paul said, like a master builder, he laid the foundation which is Christ in Corinth. And he said, whosoever comes and preaches again after he has left should take heed that he builds on that foundation. That means that the foundation of every teaching should be the unconditional love of God which is Jesus Christ. The foundation of every teaching must be the obedience of Jesus on our behalf, the death of Jesus Christ on our behalf and the resurrection of Jesus Christ on our behalf and the fact that He's resurrected in a human body where He represents me and you. That makes it that, that all of the things that Jesus did, He did it on behalf of man. The fact that He had a human body meant this, that He did it on behalf of the human race. Now, that is the foundation. That is Jesus Christ as the foundation on which the church is built. So, whatever doctrine you preach, whatever, if, if, be it on finances, be it on um, marriage, whatever it is, it must be on that foundation. And that is the foundation of Grace Stream TV. Grace Stream TV is all about getting the gospel of grace from different preachers with the same foundation preached all over the world. And I do believe that this station will, um, will grow beyond just being on the internet, but also will also be aired on satellite in future and, and wherever God opens a door. That's where we want to preach this gospel of grace. Amen. I would like us just to pray together and then I'm going to share a little bit about finances. We're going to just listen to one worship song. Um, and the reason why we're only going to listen to one of them is that in South Africa we find a bit difficulty to, um, because the stream of this station is a, is a very broadband stream. It's, it's got a high data rate and a high bit rate. So, uh, people in South Africa will struggle to see the music because that plays off a file. This plays directly off the camera and we can adjust this, but we can't adjust the, um, the bandwidth of any file that we've uploaded. So, um, unfortunately, the guys in South Africa, uh, you know, you might be a little bit frustrated when the music plays because it might not be smooth, but just bear with us. There's people from other places as well that's watching and uh, they don't have that problem. So, um, you know, in future, I believe, well, I spoke to the people um, of this station. They said that they are busy writing a program that detects the bandwidth that you've signed up with and then it will adjust it according to your bandwidth. But that's still in future. So, yes, it will come right. But sorry for the guys in South Africa. that doesn't have that high speed. Okay, let's go to Genesis 14. Genesis 14. And we're going to just read here about Abraham and how God blessed Abraham. But let's just pray together. Father, I want to thank you that we can be here together. Thank you for this live broadcast. Thank you for people's lives that can be touched and impacted by your unconditional love. Thank you, Lord, that as I preach your word and share your word, that people's lives will be touched by this. I thank you that every fear that people has when it comes to money will be removed. I thank you that everything that people has in their minds when it comes to, I am not good enough, I'm not righteous, I'm not the blessed of God, will be removed from them. Thank you for that, my God. Holy Spirit, thank you. Speak through me and you use me mightily today. 
In Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. In Genesis chapter 14, um, Abraham came back and, and there was a battle and he won the battle and everything was going very well and he was blessed and, and um, he had a lot of spoils and some of that spoils was also belonged uh, before it was stolen to, to, to other people. But when Abraham went and he won the battle, he, he got uh, a, a lot of the spoils which then legally basically belonged to him. And um, he came back and, and listened to this. And the king of Sodom, sorry, I've, I've got, it's, can you believe I've got the wrong, wrong uh, uh, verse here? Yeah, verse 17. And the king of Sodom went out to meet him. This is, this is now Abraham. Abraham came back um, from the slaughter. Then the king of Sodom went out to meet him after his return from the slaughter of Cedar Lyomer and the kings that were with him at the valley of Sheva, which is the king's dale. So what happened was here Abraham went and he chased off the people that stole their stuff. He conquered, um, conquered them came back with the goods and then the kings in his region that was also robbed and stuff got stolen from them came to meet Abraham as he came back because obviously they wanted the stuff that was stolen from them which Abraham recovered back. Um, and all the kings came together to meet him and then there was this king um, uh, uh, called Mal- Melchizedek and uh, Melchizedek king of Salem brought forth bread and wine and he was the priest of the Most High God. Now, I believe that there are two types of kings here. There's Melchizedek and then there's the other kings. Melchizedek, or um, representing Jesus Christ um, on the one side and then the king of Sodom. Now, you know Sodom and Gomorrah. Now, the king of Sodom, I believe, represents Satan and the law system. Now, you might say, but how can you say that the king of Sodom represents Satan? The Bible says that Jesus Christ was crucified um, uh, in Sodom, <clears throat> which was also called Egypt, which is also Jerusalem. So, spiritually interpreted, Sodom is Jerusalem, is the place where Jesus was crucified. It's the place that was against the message of grace, it was the people, and, and who was the people of Sodom? It was Sodom speaks of sin, it speaks of, of bondage, Egypt speaks of bondage. So, the king of Sodom uh, came, and the first thing that he wanted, and you can go and read there from um, a bit further on, he came to Abraham and, his, and he, wanted, he wanted something from Abraham. He made a demand on Abraham to produce goods, but the, uh, Melchizedek never made a demand, he came and he offered something. And that's the whole difference between the two kingdoms. The law kingdom, the, 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 the kingdom of you must become as a kingdom that demands something from you. That says, give me of what you've got. And what I also see in this is, it's even worse. It's a kingdom that says, even if you've received something which was from God, that is a blessing, that, 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 that you've been blessed with by God, you are now commanded to give something to that kingdom. And we're going to look into that now. So, uh, today we get teachings that says, if you've been blessed of God, it is demanded of you to give 10% to the church. <clears throat> or it's demanded of you to give to preachers. You know, there's teachings that says that you must run out and if somebody says something good, throw money um, in front of his feet. 
Now, let me tell you something. If you want to throw money um, at the preacher because you love his message, man, do it if you want to. But let me tell you something. There's no special blessing if you go and say, well, I throw money at the preacher's feet. You know, I heard an, a, a guy preach and say that God blessed you in Jesus Christ, but that blessing hangs in the heavens and is released by your tithing and your offering. Now, that is not uh, the voice of God. That's the voice of the king of Sodom. That's the voice of the king of Sodom. And let's just go on a little bit and, um, and read there. It says here... Um, in verse 21, And the king of Sodom said unto Abraham, Give me the persons and take the goods to thyself. And Abraham said to the king of Sodom, I have lifted my hand unto the Lord, the Most High, the possessor of heaven and earth, that I will not take from, uh, that I will not take from a thread even to the shoelace, and that I will not take anything that is thine, lest you should say, I have made Abraham rich. So, now listen to this. Um, He said here that that, that he has sworn in his heart that I'm not going to take something of these kings. You know, I I will give all their stuff to them. I don't want their system. I don't want to deal with them. I don't want to bargain with them. Lest they say that I have been made, that, that Abraham has been made rich by the king of Sodom. So what happens here? He comes and he says, I'm not going to bargain with you. I'm not going to be part of your deal. And look at the deal that he says here. He says, give me just something, but you keep the rest. And that's exactly what is preached today. Give 10% and you keep the rest. And you know, then there's peace between me and you. Because Abraham wanted to live in peace with the kings around him. So here was this one king, the king of Sodom, and Abraham, who was not a king. And this king said to him, Listen, give me a part of the goods, but you can keep the rest. It's like the teaching that says, you know, God only wants 10% and you get the 90. I don't want that part. That is a, a Sodom mindset. That is not the mindset of Melchizedek. Melchizedek's mindset was, I come and I serve you. Uh, Sodom's mindset is, well, you've been blessed of God, now I want my part. Now, let me tell you something. (laughs) Um, Abraham, he left everything in the kingdom of God. But why? The reason why he left the things that he left and what he, and the reason why he did what he did, did was because of who God was and the way God spoke to him. And he went in faith. The Bible says that Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. So he had to come to a place in his life where he had a revelation of who God was. He had a revelation of the unconditional love of God. You know, and that unconditional love of God, that thing that God blesses me. Here was Abraham. He did nothing right. He was just a normal guy. God came, made promises to him. And then God showed him over a period of time who he is. And then he started to believe God. Then it was counted to him for righteousness. So, um, even, in, even before the law was written down, you had to believe in order to be righteous. If you didn't have faith, you weren't righteous. You were unrighteous because of unbelief. You know, but your sins couldn't be punished because the law was not given. But you were still unrighteous because of unbelief. You did not believe. Because the people that was with Abram, the people, the king of Sodom, do you think that he was righteous? He was not righteous at all because he did not believe. But Abraham believed and was counting for righteousness. Now, I don't want to get uh, um, uh, off the point there. 
But this is awesome to know that the king of uh, the, the, the king of or Melchizedek, the king of Salem, which is Jerusalem, the king of Salem came and he said, I offer something to you. And listen to what he said here in verse, seven, uh, verse uh, 18. And Melchizedek, the king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine, and he was the priest of the Most High. And he blessed Abraham, and he said, Blessed are Abram of the Most High God, possessor of the heaven and earth. And blessed be the Most High God, which has delivered thine enemies into thine hand, and gave, and he gave him tithes of all. Now listen to this. So many times we twist the scripture, and you know, um, the, the, the truth of the scripture and the lie, lies very close to each other. Because here's the king of Sodom. What does the king of Sodom say just after that? He said, listen, give me a part of the goods. Give me a part of the goods. What does Melchizedek say? Does he ever say anything about what you must give him? Never. He never mentions anything. He just, say, he just says this one thing. He says, oh man, you're so blessed. God has blessed you. And the king of Sodom, and if we take it into, that, into today's teaching, is, oh, you are blessed of God, but I want my cut. I want what belongs to me. Because the stuff that Abraham won in the battle first belonged to the king of Sodom. It was actually the king of Sodom's stuff that got stolen. Then Abraham went after the, this, this king, um, Cedar Lyomer, in the, the, the slaughter of Cedar Lyomer. He went there, got the stuff back. Then the king of Sodom said, man, listen, let me make a deal. You know, actually, everything, and if you think of it in a law way, everything belongs to um, the king of Sodom. But then he says, well, let me make a deal. You take a part, uh, you, you, uh, give me a part and keep the rest. But when the true high priest came, he never mentioned anything about receiving something from Abraham. What he said was, Here is bread and wine. I serve you with the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. I serve you with that. And then he says, listen, this is what you've got. You've been blessed of God with us. He didn't say, listen, what you have is what you've received by your own efforts. And now, if you give out of what you've received from you, out of your own efforts, then the blessing of God is now going to manifest upon your life. Because that's exactly what typical tithing teachings say today. It says what you have is what you've worked for. And now if you want blessing, you must manifest, you know, this, um, you, you must manifest the godly blessing by opening the heavens by paying a tithe. And what happens here is, because Abraham, out of, the un, out of a revelation of God has blessed me, and gratitude in his heart, he gave a tithe, people makes this a law. It's like um, when, when what's-his-name was in, in jail. Um, Paul, when he was in jail, and then he started to sing. It does not mean that every time 
a Christian is in jail, he must start to sing and then God's going to let the shackles fall off his feet and God's going to open the, the gates and you're going to go out. We can't interpret history like that. We can't in- interpret the actions of people as laws unto us today. In the New Testament, the Bible says, and they gave everything. People, when they sold houses and they took the money and laid it at the apostles' feet, can we make a law out of that and say that's what we must do? We can't say that. The Bible says, and tongues as of fire came upon them at the day of Pentecost. Must we now say that, you know, at the day of Pentecost, tongues of fire came. Now we must check the dates and the times and the seasons that at the day of Pentecost, tongues of fire, if we go to the upper room, is now going to come on us. No ways. We can't make a law of history, a law of what has happened. So, in the same way, we can't say, because Abraham gave a tithe, we must now tithe. We can't say that. But what we can say out of that is the gospel of grace, which is the message of Jesus Christ. And what is this gospel of grace? What is this message of Jesus Christ? This gospel of grace, this message of Jesus Christ is, I serve you with bread and with wine. I serve you with my body, with my righteousness and my forgiveness of sins. And the blessing that you have is of God already. So there's not two things that you must do in order to be blessed. And the whole thing that we must realize about the blessing of God is seen in verse 15 and, 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 and after these things, you know, Abraham was a bit stressed out of, I think, about his finances and he said, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision saying, Fear not, Abraham, I am your shield. In other words, I will protect you. In other words, maybe you're not in that good foot now with the king of Sodom because you've, you, you spoke harshly to him. And you, I mean... All of a sudden, here's this guy, he he went to war, war costs money. He got stuff, and all the stuff he got, he gave back to that king, because he doesn't want to have anything to do with that king of Sodom, and his system of, man, listen, you've got stuff now, but remember, I also want a little bit out of that. Now, let me tell you something, and I want to take this into today's, today's system. I don't want anything to do with a law system of tithing and sowing and reaping, lest the law says, and lest my flesh says, I've made you rich. Because I've sworn unto God that I'm part of His grace system. And if I am rich, I am rich on the word of Melchizedek or on the word of Jesus Christ that served me with His body and His blood and the blessing I have today is of God. Hallelujah. So that no flesh can ever boast in the presence of God. Now let me tell you something. I've never heard uh, uh, this preached this way out of Genesis chapter 14 and I know there will be people that have preached somewhere like this because revelation is not unique. Revelation is something that God has given to man in Jesus Christ. Now I just want to say this other thing. Um, Don't ever think that revelation is, you, you get new revelation every day. No, no. This is not a new revelation. Maybe it's the first time we see the scripture this way. But it's not new. It's just a revelation of Jesus Christ which you already know. I want to tell you this. If you're in the message of grace, if you're in the message of the finished work of Jesus Christ, I cannot teach you anything more. You are complete. You are in a full understanding of the cross. 
You, there's no other revelation. I want to put it this way. If you ever think that there's still another revelation or a greater revelation, when that revelation is revealed, it will be news to God because God doesn't know about it. Let me say it again. If you think there's any new revelation, you know, sometimes I get so fed up because people just run after man. You know, we run after this man for he's this revelator. You know, he's this... Listen, man, if you've got the message of God's unconditional love, mercy and grace, and His uh, uh, peace that is given through Jesus Christ and the work of the cross, let me tell you, there's no higher revelation. If you want to say, listen, I have seen that revealed in another scripture. Well, I've never seen it before, I understand. But the thing of God is now revealing more and more and more as the time comes closer and things that He's been hiding away for years and now in 2008 He's revealing this thing now. That is a doctrine from Satan. It's not from God. It is the, it, it is corruption. It is the thing that tripped Adam and caused corruption to be in this world. That's, that's it. The Bible says there's decay uh, uh, in this world or corruption in this world through lust. What lust was it? It was that lust of Adam in the beginning. For he lusted to be like God by knowing good and evil. Where he should have just said, listen man, I'm already like God by the Holy Spirit. I'm not going to try and be like God by what I do. And there was a desire inside him to say, listen, when, when, when Eve saw that the tree was good for food, that was that desire inside her that says, yes man, this can work. This law system can work. This works-based system can work. The system of by human flesh I can be like God can work. And she was tempted in such a way. The Bible says you are tempted when you are drawn away by your own desire. So, or, or your own lust. So why was Eve tempted? She was tempted into what? By her own desire and lust. And she ate and gave to her husband with her. So there was a desire in the beginning. A desire to be like God by your works. And what happens is, when we come with teaching that says, by new revelation, you know this this desire for a newer revelation. Man, that is Satan's way of tempting you, so you can fall back under the law, so you can die. And have no life relationship with God. Now that's the same thing with this tithing message, because what happens is, Satan comes and um, speaks through preachers, and people, and your wrong interpretation of scriptures, let me tell you something, the devil can speak to you through scripture. You can go and read your Bible, and Satan can talk to you, my friend. And the way he talks to you, is by you first coming with a need mentality to the Bible. And then you are ripe for the word of death. But if you first come with a perspective of the finished work of the cross, and what God has done for you, which you've heard somebody preach to you. And you say, my God, I believe this. And I come with a, 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 a mentality of perfection to the Word of God. Man, you, you will not be tempted by Satan. It will be impossible. And let me tell you something. If you've got a human flesh, there will be that natural thing that always desires after a law, which we must guard against. And that's our spiritual war. So when it comes to finances, we can clearly see what Abram did here. He was only focused on the word of Melchizedek. 
And he said, I'm not going to let my flesh and my ability, you know, make me rich. If we interpret that into New Testament. Sodom speaks of the place where Jesus was crucified. Sodom speaks of the law system. It speaks of Satan. It speaks of all that is against God. It speaks of the place where, where destruction will come. And it will be destroyed by the fire of God. That's what it talks about. And Jerusalem and Melchizedek speaks, Jerusalem, the heavenly Jerusalem, speaks of life and blessing and prosperity. So I want to tell you this, to come to the conclusion of this. Your financial problems is already met in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Amen. It's already met in Jesus Christ. And don't be tempted. When you, the, man, the blessing that you've got today is of God. And that blessing that you have, you owe no man anything. You don't owe any man anything. You don't owe the law system anything. You don't owe the tithing system anything. Nothing. And when you've been blessed with money, the guy that comes to you in the truth of the Word of God, is not going to be the one that says, listen, some of that money actually belongs to me. He's a liar. And he's going to steal from you. What you must know is the guy that comes to you in truth when it comes to your finances, is the guy that comes with the bread and the wine. And says, I want to just tell you, why are you so blessed? You are blessed of the Most High God. And your blessing rests in the fact that Jesus died for you and paid for your sins and is gracious and merciful towards you. Amen. And then, if you feel in your heart gratitude, do whatever your gratitude leads you to do. Amen. That's it. Hallelujah. That is, that is the principle. That's it. And when it comes to giving and the spreading of the gospel, we do it because we've got a passion to see this message of grace preached. Amen. That's it. There's no other way. That is the only way. We just give because we want to see the gospel preached. Like you pay your warden lights because you just want to see, you know, you want, you, you want that computer to work, you want that light to go on. That's the same way. Why do we give for the preaching of the gospel? Just that the word can be preached. That's all. But it's got nothing to do with your blessing. Amen. Well, this was a very long introduction part of this, uh, um, you know, today. And we're still going to get into the word that I've got on my heart for you today. But I believe this is already more than enough. We're going to just sing one worship song. Um, and, and this song really blesses me. And um, it, 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 as, as you sing this, you know, let this love of God and let this truth that I've just shared with you just flood your heart, man. Let it flood your heart. We're not part of the, the, the Sodom kingdom. We don't stand under the king of Sodom. And don't let the king of Sodom come in the name of Jesus Christ to you today. You know? Don't let it come to you as you listen to things on television and that. We come to Jesus and unto what He's done for us. Man, was, wasn't that just an awesome way of seeing Jesus Christ in that scripture? Yo, I'm so blessed by that. Let's go over to this song, and I know this is going to bless you. Well, wonderful. That is, that's an awesome song. I enjoy that song always. 
you know, normally we could play it in the studio, but now we can't. Um, so we couldn't be sitting and listening to it, but we will still sort all those things out. Well, wasn't that just awesome, that part on finances? It blessed me just to know what God has done for us. Just to know His unconditional love, mercy and grace. Now, today we're going to look at three scriptures. The first one is going to be in John chapter 10. <coughs> and then we're going to go from there to... Um, and that's just going to speak about the thief that comes to steal, kill and destroy. And I want to speak a little bit about that. And that's good in context of what we've heard about finances. Uh, then I'm going to touch on Romans chapter 10, self-righteousness and the righteousness that comes by your own works. And then we're going to go to, um, to 2 Corinthians 5 and we're going to explain this scripture. Uh, so everything's going to come down to this. And I'm going to read it now so that you can uh, just get this. You know, because it, when I read it, it just touches your mind and says, what does it really mean? It says, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may, be, may receive the things done in his body according to that he has done, whether it be good or bad. Now, that's something. We're going to explain that verse. Okay, now let's go to um, John. <clears throat> John, chapter, John chapter 10. John chapter 10. And verse 1. Now, <clears throat> John chapter 10 is actually just, it flows out of the end of chapter 9, where Jesus was speaking to the Pharisees. And he spoke to the Pharisees, and they were actually the blind leading the blind. The Bible speaks about the blind leading the blind, and that was the people of the law system, the people that puts identity and worth in what you do. Now, let me tell you something that is so interwoven into our human flesh. That's so interwoven into, uh, um, into this, this world. And the thing is, and the frustration is, that we live in a body that is made from the dust of this earth. And there was the, the dust of this earth that, it's, that we made of, this earth has not been made new yet. And we are waiting for the return of the Lord to make this new. And this earth if I want to put it like this, this earth man, this, this earth person, what, he, what happens to him is, is actually quite ugly when he gets placed under a law. Because in him dwells sin, because of the fall. And when that sin is activated, and it starts to manifest through the law, the power of sin is in the law. And the moment the law is taken away, this flesh man, becomes dormant and he dies. He doesn't live anymore. But he can be, listen to this, revived if he gets under the law. That's what Paul says. He says, sin revived and I died. So there was a man that lived righteous, holy, a man that was born of God, living a holy life. But when he came back under the law, sin revived and he died. So he had a sin revival. And the way you get a sin revival is by the law. Now, the law is not just the Ten Commandments, people. The law is not um, just commandments written in the Bible. There are so many laws in this world. This world is full of laws. It is, man, the way you drive your car, what you own, what you wear, what people think about you, what you think about people. It's all a law-based system. And when Jesus returns, this planet and our mindsets and everything will be changed into only thinking righteousness. 
the natural inclination of the planet and everything here will be towards righteousness, towards the cross, towards the finished work of Jesus Christ. Amen. That is, that is so, so awesome. Now, the blind people that was leading the blind, they were people trying to lead, obviously, people out of bondage. Um, and, and they couldn't get them out of bondage. They just led them deeper into bondage. And that is what Jesus said to the Pharisees. He said, you blind guides. So they were guiding people. They were trying to lead people. But they couldn't lead them. Because of the blindness that they, that they had. Now what was this blindness? Listen to verse 41. John chapter 9 verse 41. For those of you who want to jot that down quickly. It says, if, it, Jesus said unto them, If you were blind, you should have no sin. But now you say, we see, therefore your sin remains. Let me read it again. If you were blind, you should have no sin. But now you say, we see, therefore your sin remains. So they were actually, now Jesus talks about this blind thing and seeing thing, vice versa, and he twists it around. Now let me explain this to you. They were, the eyes were opened unto the law, so they were blind unto righteousness. So, if you see righteousness, you are blind, blinded to the law. So, if you could see the cross, you would be blind to the law and you would be blind to sin. If you would not see righteousness by faith but the law, you are, I mean, you are just blinded to Christ. So, what he was saying to them, because you see your way through the law, your sin remains. And these were people that was trying to lead others. So they were full of sin. And their sin that was in their lives was not there because of their holy life or unholy life. The sin that there was in their life was because of their perspective or, or yeah, the way they were seen. Because they weren't seeing the message of grace, that's why they had sin. But they had holy lives. They lived holy lives. Man, there's a fly here that irritates me. The <coughs> get that doom and kill the thing. Um, can you just close that door as, as well then? You know, there's... <coughs> man, this is, this is a live broadcast. Amen. That's why it goes like this. You can't cut this out. Now, you see what happens is we sit with this mentality that if we live holy, we are holy. You can't have that mentality. That's a death mentality. And people that live very holy, righteous lives that comes from a law perspective to lead people, it's the blind leading the blind. That's what it is. And even if they live a 100% holy, perfect life, their sin remains. They're not sinless. Their sin remains and their sin continues. They are still under sin. They are still in sin. Even if they live a holy life. So, your holiness is not determined by your works. It's determined by your perspective and your vision and what you see. That's what Jesus... Man, this is the words of Jesus Christ Himself. This is the words of God. And if we are against this man, you're against the living God and you're living in a, in a, in a kama kama land, man. You live in... <laughs> You're living in, a, in something that's not real. It's like somebody said to me, uh, you know, we spoke in cell group about this, 
and said, you know, sometimes we want something more concrete, you know, some miracle that manifests or something like that, you know, that, that can just, um, you know, give more substance to what we believe. Now, that's just a law, that's just a law mentality, you know, and that law mentality cannot give you life. That law mentality is just something that says, let's make the work of Jesus Christ concrete by a miracle, is the voice of Satan. That, that's it. He came to Jesus. He said to Jesus, Jesus, take this bread, take this stone and make it a bread and prove your sonship. Take, take something and just make it a concrete to know this. And you know, when we said that, um, the, the response, when we spoke about that, the response that came to my heart was this. You know, if all of mankind believes the law system, they're a minority. Because all of heaven and all the angels of heaven, which the Bible says cannot be numbered, which is more than all the people on the planet, believes the grace message. And God Himself believes the grace message. So if it's only Berti, and five others on this planet, or twenty, or just a hundred, or a thousand, and God, and the kingdom of heaven, that believes this, it's fine with me, then the few others, the few other six billion, that is misled, you know, I'm not going to follow the minority. I will follow what God has done. Amen. And this is not going to change. Bless God. So, here comes Jesus and He spoke to people that was trying to lead people out. Now, they had a pure motive, man. These leaders, their hearts was, let's lead people out. Let's help people. Let's study the Scriptures. Let, let's give ourselves for the kingdom of God. And Jesus said to them, Verily I want to say unto you, He that enters not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbs up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. So what he's saying is, listen, if you want to lead people out by climbing over the wall and not going through the door, you're a thief and a robber. Man, now what does this talk about? It says, but he that enters in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. That shepherd with a small s doesn't speak about Jesus. And to him the porter opens and the sheep hears his voice and he calls his own sheep by name. And leads them out. And when he puts forth his own sheep, he goes before them. And the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And the stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. Then they did not understand it. Then Jesus came and said, Verily I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. Listen. The entrance into the hearts of people to lead them into true liberty is Jesus. You cannot speak to the heart of a person without Jesus. You cannot speak to the heart of a person without the gospel of grace. You, you cannot touch his heart. It's impossible. You don't touch him where, you don't touch the real man in there. The way he's supposed to be touched by that message if you come some other way. You might get followers, but that follower is just blind people following a blind leader. That's all it is. But the true shepherd says, let me enter into the heart of that man through the door. Listen to what it says. He says, the door of the sheep. Will I say unto you, 
uh, I am the door of the sheep. And that everyone that came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. The sheep did not listen to those people because their message could not lead them out. They couldn't find entrance. Listen, there was no door unto the sheep before Jesus was manifested, for He's the door unto the sheep. So what I was saying to the Pharisees, He says, listen, if somebody does not enter into the door, enter through the door to the sheep, He's a thief and a robber. And everybody that came before me are thieves and robbers. For they did not, why were they thieves and robbers? Because they did not lead the people out through the door, Jesus Christ. That's why I said um, uh, uh, in the beginning of this, this session that the message that says, that's got the Sodom mindset that says, well, what you have now belongs to God and I want, the, you must give a piece and then you're going to be blessed with the rest which is a sodomite said, which is a devilish teaching. You know, that teaching, I said, it will rob you. It will steal from you. Because it wants to lead you into prosperity and blessing, you know, free from Jesus Christ. Melchizedek came, and how did he minister? He came as a true shepherd, as a true person that can lead somebody out. And the only one that was led out was Abram into righteousness. and But what did He serve Him with? He came with the door. Jesus Christ. Amen. But the King of Sodom didn't come with the door. He came with, look at how much you've got now and some actually belongs to me and you know, you can, we can have peace with each other further on if we do. Huh? That's the thieves and the robbers, man. So what, what, I don't want to accuse, but I just want to preach the Word and I want to preach this Word of God's grace radically so that we can get into this grace. And I'm not going to be ashamed of this message. I'm not going to be ashamed. I thank God for the platform from where I can preach this gospel. That I can have my own internet TV station where I can preach freely as what I like. In the way I want to say it. Amen. So, just listen to the heart of Jesus here. What does he say? He says clearly that those who came before him were thieves and robbers. Who was before Jesus? Moses. Moses was before Jesus. He couldn't lead the people into freedom. He was a thief and a robber. Why? Because he came to the people through the law system. Now, I, I don't say that there's condemnation now and judgment. Oh yeah, you know, God's now judging all those. No, Moses and Elijah and all those, they're in heaven today with Jesus. But all that I'm saying is that you cannot have true freedom if it's not through the door, Jesus Christ. If we want to talk about finances, man, I want to hear Jesus. Serve me with the blood and the body of Jesus when it comes to finances. Let me see. So that I can be led into freedom when it comes to my money. And I want to say to you guys out there that struggles. If you struggle with money, you struggle, you don't have, you don't get that breakthrough, you don't get that. Listen, there's one thing that I know you can do. And this is it. Believe this message, you know, and let this message well up in your heart. And let the truth of that, until the point where the truth of that flows out of your mouth. And be content with such things as what you have. And through faith and patience they've entered into the promise. 
So what do we do? We believe this word and we see how God's word blesses what we do. Amen. So, your business is going to be blessed. It is already blessed. And let this, let God manifest this. Amen. Don't cut the deal with the king of Sodom someone now quickly just to make sure you've got something. No, no. You know, when Abram came back with all that goods, he didn't know if he's going to have a fight with the king of Sodom about those goods. Listen, the policeman goes and he gets my car. Somebody stole my car. And now he goes and he finds my car and all this stuff. You know, I feel it still belongs to me. So now, if the policeman doesn't want to give it, there's going to be an argument now. Because it's actually my stuff. And that's how the king of Sodom felt. And then he said, listen, look how I'm going to bless you. It's like me saying to the policeman, just give me my laptop, but you can keep the car. And the policeman can say, you know, Bertie made me rich. That's a law message, he's going to kill you. Let me tell you something. Let's not try and be led out through any other way but the door, for there's no other way out. And I can proudly say, in Jesus Christ, that what I have today came as a result of the cross. Amen. It's not the gift of hints. It's not manipulation and control. But what is here is holy. For it comes from God. Amen. It was manifested by the grace of God. And we didn't try to put a hand to it to say, let's make this work. It's just God. And it came in peace. And that's why it will stay in peace. And if it goes, we will still have peace. For we had peace before the goods and the money came. Amen. For our peace is not in what we have. Hallelujah. And I want, I want you to know this. I don't know why, but I, I just feel to, to press on that. So, what is this, what is this thief? This thief the, the, is, is the guy that comes in with a law message. He's not a true shepherd of the sheep. Then he goes out here and he says, the thief, who's the thief? Is the guy that wants to lead people out outside of the door. Outside, over the wall. Not through the door, Jesus Christ. The thief comes not but to steal, to kill and to destroy. I have come that you might have life and that they might have it more and that you might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives, um, gives his life for the sheep. But he that is hireling and not the shepherd whose own sheep, uh, um, own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flee. And the wolf catches them and scatters the sheep. So, this is what, ha- what has happened so many times in the lives of people. They were scattered because of a message that, is, that, that, that says, listen, I want to lead you out. So, if somebody comes and says, listen, I want to help you. I want to lead you out. And he doesn't come through the door. My friend, you're going to... You, it will be stealing, killing, robbing. Destruction. It spells destruction. It doesn't spell true life. And let me tell you something. I am not blessed in my life because I live a holy life. That's how I want to say it. This is what I want to say. If I see a change in my life, that's not what blesses me. I'm not happy because I've changed. Change is a fruit, yes, and it's good, and we can be blessed by it to a certain degree. But my true joy is not because I've changed. My holiness in my life is not what gives me joy. What gives me joy is I found righteousness by, as a gift. 
That gives me true joy. And I have received the being of God in one second because of the work of Jesus Christ. That's what gives me joy. And the fruit of that, that's another thing. But my, I'm not happy because I live holy. And I don't feel I am. Now, yes, I, I'm getting it right because I live holy. Because if I feel, man, I'm getting it right. Yes, we're going somewhere because we are doing something for God. Do you know what? Then I am going to be the saddest of all people because there's many other areas where things don't manifest. But I am happy because of what Jesus has done. And so many times in church today, in the lives of people, we measure our spirituality to what we manifest. And then because we see some good manifestation, we say, let's continue with what we do. But what happens is, we've got people that live good and holy lives with death in their hearts. Not knowing the sweet voice of God's unconditional love and mercy and grace. And millions are spent to broadcast that death. Millions are spent to get that out all over the world. But thank God for the message of grace. Thank God for God Himself and who He is and what He's done and what He's established in hearts of people all over this world. Amen. And we're going to preach this gospel, I tell you. We're going to use this platform. We're going to use this internet television station. We're going to go on to the air with us eventually. We're going to see people just get into this message of grace. We're preaching this. We're not ashamed of the gospel. For it's the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes. It's the power of God. Amen. This is the power of God that saves. And we don't want to preach anything else. We don't want to mix it with anything else. For then it's not the power to save. Like Paul said, you know, when I come, I don't want to hear the words of what people say. I want to see the salvation that came to the lives of people. You know, when I, and I want to say it this way, in a more radical way than what Paul said. It. When I come to you, and when I see somebody that says he's a Christian, I don't want to see he, the holy life he lives. I want to see the peace of God that's in his heart. I want to see the way that he approaches the throne of God in worship. What words does he use? Oh my God, I hunger for you. Oh my God, please come down. You know, that, that is not, to me, that's not the salvation that God has talked about. Maybe you've been saved from your wrong works, but you haven't received the peace of God you haven't received that truth that Jesus has between Him and the Father. And that's what He wants to give you. And that's what He has given unto you. And that's what He wants you to tap into. And that is what He wants you to, to lead you out into. A change of life is not the end of Christianity. Because we've got such a works mentality. If we preach something to somebody, even if it's a message of death, as long as what is life has changed, we think that we've arrived. The guy's life has changed. There's some good to that. And the only good to that is that he will have the consequences of his works in this life. That's all. But let me tell you something as far as what it is to the, the depth of what God has meant in Jesus Christ. He's nowhere. You might say that is radical, but let me tell you something. We want to explain a scripture today. And that's the one that says we will stand before the judgment seat of God. <laughs> Amen. Let me tell you something, that is, that's no game. 
standing in front of the judgment seat of God. Let me tell you this, and I want you to listen to what I'm saying. To stand before the judgment seat of God is a fierce thing. It's no game. Don't think that you can stand in front of the judgment seat of God with your own ability. You will be condemned. If you stand in front of the judgment seat of God, you better be in Christ or it's over with you. That's the only way it is. And we can't come with this thing, let's, let's, well, let's eat, you know, I, I, I just compromise. You know, last night we watched a movie on the, um, Amazing Grace and where the song Amazing Grace come from. Man, it's awesome. It's all about the slave trade in the 1800s. And, um, this guy came and, and, and uh, he was on a, on a ship and he saw this, this slave trade. You know what they did? They basically placed the, the slaves in coffins, man. And then in that coffin they had a hole where they just threw water and food through. Man, and every, he did everything in that casket. And you would, they would load 600 slaves and then 200 would arrive on the other side. They would die that way. You know, and they said our lives is like a thread. Sometimes it holds and sometimes it breaks. And those slaves would survive that way. And then they would be beaten. Uh, the way they would be beaten is they would take 25 pounds like, or, or, or 50 pounds, 25 kilograms tied to their feet, hoist them into the air so they can't lift their legs and then beat them. Did you just see blood and everything and then they would put them into those caskets. That's what they did. And then there was a guy on those ships that couldn't take that anymore and um, his, his eyes, he was blind to what he was doing and then his eyes was opened and he sang the song, he wrote the song Amazing Grace. How sweet this sound. It saved a wretch like me. Isn't that awesome? That's where it comes from. And then this guy meets up with another person that eventually ended this whole slave trade. But the way they ended this, and this is what I want to say, the one guy stood up and said, you know, it's not going to be good for the economy of England to do it this way, and then France is going to, going to make war with us, and they're going to win, and if they win, you know, because we need a strong economy to make war. So we don't want to be slaves ourselves, so let's keep them slaves, and you know the whole thing. And then the one guy stood up and he said, I agree with this person, this was after 15 years or something of fighting to end the slave trade. Uh, This guy stood up and said, I agree with this oak that wants to stop it, but the way we should stop it is gradually. Can you believe it? Let's just make it now, not 600 slaves, but 400 slaves. Still in the casket, still binding them, beating them, all those type of things. Own people, they, 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 said to the, they teach them to say, you don't belong to God anymore, you belong to a man. Man, that's slavery. If you can't belong to God but to a man, that happens so much in church as well, where, where people start to belong to preachers, and they don't belong to God anymore. You, you need to have a personal relationship with God that loves you unconditionally, that cares for you unconditionally. Amen. We are not to be slaves. And this is what I want to say. We don't have to end this thing gradually. We're not into let's mix the law with grace and just go over gradually. Because we've got other interests, because actually other things are God. What people think about us and all that. No, no, we don't care 
about those things. What we care about is, the, is people and the freedom of people and the work of the cross for the love of Christ compels us for we are of this mind and that is if one died then all are dead. So they don't have to love themselves or the law man or their flesh bodies anymore. They don't have to have a relationship with the king of Sodom anymore. They can stand in the, their rightful place like Abraham did, be served with bread and wine. It's time that people out there aren't made slaves but that they are served with a message of the truth of the gospel of grace. And we are the servants of those people. Pastors out there. There's a pastor watching this in the rebroadcast somewhere every, in 20 years from now. Let me tell you. You are a servant of the people. They're not there to serve you. They're not there to minister unto you. You are the servant. Serve them like Melchizedek did. How do, how do we serve them? We serve them with bread and wine and we proclaim the blessing of God already upon them. Amen. And we give them a prophetic word of the blessings of God. That's what we do. And that, because that is, that is the truth, true gospel. That's a true shepherd of the sheep. Now let's go to Romans chapter 10. It says, My brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God is for Israel. Or for Israel is that they might be saved. Now that's a wonderful scripture. You know, that just throws the whole thing about this Israel is the special nation. They, they saved on a different basis. Out the door. Because it says here, my prayer is that they might be saved. That, what does that mean? That means they're not saved. <clears throat> because they don't believe in Jesus. Why are they not saved? For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. So these guys are passionate for God. I mean they believe in God. They, they believe that God exists. They believe that God does things for them. They, they do the things for God. They're they passionate for God. Okay? But not according to knowledge. You know what is the consequences of passionate for God but not according to knowledge? That He prays that they still might be saved. Okay? That means your passion doesn't save you. Man, can you believe that? Your passion does not save you. I want to say it again. Your passion does not save you. Jesus Christ saves you. Amen. Let's read it again. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believes. Man, isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? That is, oh Father, I worship you, that you've saved us to the uttermost. Thank you for your perfect plan. That my zeal, my zeal does not save me. The motive of my heart does not save me. But Jesus, you my Savior. Hallelujah. 
The reason why these people, listen to this, the reason why these people are unsaved was because they were still seeking their own righteousness. Why were they still seeking their own righteousness? Listen to this. It says, for they being ignorant of God's righteousness. They don't know how to get God's righteousness. For the righteousness, the way they get, that they're ignorant, not just in knowledge, they're ignorant because they don't have it. Why? Because they don't believe. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believes. They don't have this righteousness. They don't know this message of grace. Many people reject this message of grace. That means, now, I'm not the judge of who's saved and who's not saved. God's the judge of that. All that I want to do is I want to say what Paul says here. I want to say it this way. My heart's my compassion is for the people of the world that they might be saved. My compassion is for many people in the world that is zealous for God. I bear them record. They've got a zeal for God. But I want them to be saved. For they have a righteousness that they want to establish by their own works. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believes. Hallelujah. But the righteousness which is of faith speaks on this way. Say not in your heart, who shall ascend into heaven? That is to bring the Christ from above. Who will ascend into heaven to bring salvation? To bring salvation for for himself. Who will descend into the deep? That is to bring Christ again from the dead. Listen. (laughs) He's talking here to people that must have heard the gospel already. Saying, who will say, I will ascend to heaven, that's to bring the Christ down. Or, who will ascend to bring Christ from the dead? Who will, by his works, bring forth the salvation plan? The message of grace does not say that, but this is what it says. Salvation is in my heart. He brought salvation to mankind. It's already in man. God came. He removed the sin of the whole world. So the whole world stands sinless before God. Those who believe enters into that righteousness. And experience that salvation. So what is true salvation? To say, my sins has been paid for. I believe in what Jesus done for me. That day you saved. Amen. Hallelujah. Now let's go to... 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Now Paul talks about a body. He talks about his own physical body and in this body, this tabernacle of this earth. Listen, there's one thing the Bible says. It says we've got this treasure which is Christ, which is the hope of glory in earthen vessels. So, it doesn't matter what, who says. That scripture will remain until the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Until the return of the Lord Jesus Christ, we will have this treasure in earthen vessels. But when He will return, we will find a glorification, a new heavenly body. Then we will not have the treasure in an earthen vessel anymore. For earth will be made new. And this body will be made new. But as long as what you are in an earthen vessel, you will, you, you will have this treasure in that earthen vessel, but that earthen vessel will always be present. 
That's just the way it is. That's just the way. And Paul talks about this. And he says here, now listen to this, that while he's got this treasure in an earthen vessel, while he's on this earth, he wants to do a certain thing. He says, we, wherefore, he says, we are confident, I say, willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. So what he's saying actually, we, we want to be present in this, we want this new body. Wherefore, we labor. So he says, we are laboring to have this new body. Now, what is the labor of the New Testament? What is the labor of the New Testament? The labor is to enter into the rest. What I'm doing today is I am laboring today to enter into the rest. By being conscious of the the faith righteousness message and keeping your eyes only on that is laboring to enter into into the rest. Okay? And then once you have arrived in the rest, once you're in the rest, our labor is to stay in that rest. Because you can get out of that rest. You can fall from grace. That's true. You can fall from grace. Just back under the law, and then you're back in grace, under the law, in grace, under the law, in grace. You find that? That's why the Bible says, we need to take the helmet of salvation and know you are saved. Get your mind into the message of God's grace. And that's the effort that you do. The effort that you do is by listening to the gospel of grace. So I want to tell you, you can really have a nice labor by listening to Grace Stream TV. Hallelujah. That is laboring. That's now really, to me I want to say that is hard work by just listening to that. And why is it hard work? Because you will find preachers all over this world, people from all over, that, that's got a revelation of this, that preaches this in the depth and in the, the way it's supposed to be preached to you. Amen. And by listening to it, you'll find a renewal of mind. You'll find a breastplate believing you righteous. You'll find faith in your life. You'll find the love of God, conscious, forcing you forward. You'll find willingness um, uh, uh, in your life, or the, 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 will, the willingness of the gospel of peace. It, you will just hear that willingness of the gospel of peace, the willingness that's in your life to preach it, and the willingness that God had to preach it, and to bring it to you. You'll have all of that. Amen. That's what you will have. So that's the labor. So Paul says, therefore we labor, whether present or absent, we may be accepted of Him. So he says, I want to be accepted of Him. Now we are accepted in the Beloved. Amen. So what was his labor? To see and believe that he's in the Beloved. To stay in Christ and not to be in Moses or in uh, uh, Pastor John or Mary or whoever, but to be in Christ. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he has done, whether it be good or bad. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men that we are... Do you hear what he's saying here? Now listen. He says there's a terror of the Lord. The terror of the Lord is that you need to be in Christ in order to be saved. And he labors towards that to see that he stays in his mindset in Christ. That he believes he's in Jesus. That he doesn't do duty. That he doesn't tell it But by... In they may descend, tells or the live the flesh. We work, 
though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now, henceforth, we know no man any more like that. That is, Jews, Gentiles, Greeks, whatever. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature, the old things have passed away. Behold, all has become new. The law system is gone. Everything is new. And all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself by Jesus, and has given unto us the ministry of reconciliation to witness that God or to testify that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself uh, unto himself not imputing their trespasses to them and has committed unto us the word of reconciliation and we labor to stay into that word and to preach that word now then we are as ambassadors for Christ before you as though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. So what he's saying is, God has reconciled you by not imputing your trespasses to you. Be ye now reconciled to God by accepting that. And the work that Paul did in his body was by staying in the grace of God. So the way we are judged before the judgment seat of Christ is that's what's called the just judgment seat of Christ. Okay? Um, it's the judgment seat where it's seen as if you are in Christ or not. And the work that you've done in the body is what did you do in your body? In your body did you serve the law or did you serve grace? That's all. Amen. Now I also believe in a very merciful God. He's not going to try and look for the slightest little piece of law in your life to kick you out of heaven. That's not who God is. Who God really is, is He's a God that says, <clears throat> you know, let me put it this way. What is the foundation of your life? Is it the message of the cross or not? There's going to be areas where you're going to find law in your life. And where I will find it and where people will find their life. But what is your focus? What do you look at? Where do you rest your mind for salvation? Where do you rest your mind for your prosperity? Where do you rest your mind for your peace? Hallelujah. It's supposed to be the gospel of grace. That's all. Now there's one thing. God loves you. And He's brought such a great salvation that brings forth spontaneous praise in the hearts of people. That they can't stop but just say, I want to praise you, God. Thank you for your way of saving me. Let's not neglect this, but stay in this. Do you know that the person of God meets all your needs? In the Old Testament, we got Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah Shalom, Jehovah this, Jehovah whatever, all the names of God. And all of that spoke of the, um, the nature of God. When, when God provided uh, uh, the, the ram for Abraham, He said, Jehovah my provider. Okay? So, that's it. That's who God is. But then Jesus Christ, and, came, Jesus Christ came and He revealed one of the names of God that was never known to man, which encompasses all the names of God and is much more. 
And that was the name Abba. <laughs> Father. And in the person of God, in the nature of God, all your needs are met. In the nature of God, you walk without a desire. For the Lord is my shepherd. I have no needs. He leads me beside the still waters. He refreshes, He, who He is, refreshes my soul. Amen. He serves my table before my enemies. Isn't that awesome? I'm not in a battle. Yes, the enemy is fighting. I'm eating of the Lord's table. What the, the, the enemy of the law, he can do whatever. The law can shout to Batty Brits, guilty, never going to be blessed, whatever. I don't care. I want to put in front of my eyes what God has put in front of my eyes. The table that He set before me. With the bread and the wine and the oil. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I've got His Spirit. Because of His blood. Because of His body. Amen. Only goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. For the Lord is my shepherd. And look at this whole message. You know this whole message? There's a lot of technical things that I've explained. A lot of depth of scripture that we've got into into. The king of Sodom and Melchizedek and scriptures and the thief and blindness and, and all of those things and the flesh and the body and all of that. But through all of that, we only see one thing. The person of God. <laughs> who He is. And that's what we rest our minds in. All these facts persuade us of who God is. And that brings rest to our minds. And that's what we believe in. We believe in who He is. Look at what He's done for me. And I look at my future. I look at situations. And I've got peace in my mind. Hallelujah. I would like to pray for you. I know that you're going to be blessed and touched today. By this. You know, as you just meditate upon this again. I want to encourage you to go into the... Um, to the archive of this message, of this player. It will be up in about an hour after this message. And you can just go and listen to it right there. Again, if you want to. You know, and it will be available again tomorrow. Just go in there, listen to it again. And eventually it will be uploaded onto the website as well on Wednesday. So, go and listen to this again. And let it touch your heart, man. Just listen to it, listen to it, listen to it. And let it give you the picture of who God is. The reason why I preached all of this is so that you can be more persuaded of what Jesus has done. For that tells your subconscious mind how good God is. And out of your subconscious mind you believe in God. And that brings peace to your mind. Amen. Hallelujah. Man, if there's anybody that's got sickness in your body, I want to pray for you right now. And after this prayer... We're gonna, um, uh, in this prayer, I want to say this. If you've never received Jesus as your Savior, man, you can receive Jesus as your Savior. 
and we're going to play out with a song. And uh, um, I want you, if you've got sickness in your body, just put your hand where your sickness is. I just experienced such an awesome, awesome presence of God and what He's done for us. In the mighty name of Jesus, I stretch forth my hand to everybody that's got sickness in their bodies and I just say, I bring you healing right now. I declare the healing power of God over you right now in Jesus' mighty name. Every person that's got financial distress, I speak over your life. I say every situation is changed. With the authority of God, I bring financial prosperity to you by the finished work of Jesus. And I say I bless you. I bless the work that you do in Jesus' mighty name. I bring you healing in your finances. I, every onslaught to your life on your money, I just cancel it out in the name of Jesus by saying you are blessed now in Jesus' name. And no work of the enemy will steal anything from you. You are the blessed of God. You are the prosperous of God. I speak of your enlightened understanding to see what God has done for you in this time. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. If there's anybody that's never received Jesus, I would like you to pray this prayer with me right now. Just pray these words and pray it with faith in your heart. Say, Lord Jesus Christ, thank you for saving me today. You are my Savior. I love you because you first loved me. I confess with my mouth that I have sinned. But I confess also that you've paid for my sin. You were resurrected from the dead. And therefore I'm saved today. A new man because of the resurrection of Christ. My old life is gone. I'm made new. I receive you as my Savior, Jesus. Thank you that you've saved me on the cross. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you that you've listened to this broadcast of Dynamic Web Church. Tell your friends about this. Send this link of the station to people. They can just get this foretaste of this. Uh, remember the channel is still under construction. You will find then a live broadcast, then it breaks up, then this and that. We're busy sorting everything out. But thank you for watching. Remember one thing. God loves you. And as you listen to this song as you play out, enjoy just the presence of God. God bless you.